Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. Hello everyone, I'm Hannah Austin and this is the She Burns Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Rani Jayasakara. Rani was born and raised in Sri Lanka and she currently lives in New York City where she's been living for the last 11 years. She's currently working in the hospitality industry. She started as a lounge assistant at the Waldorf Astoria and she quickly moved up the ranks. She eventually managed sales for some of the most prestigious five-star hotels in New York, earning a six-figure salary with an executive title. Blinded by success, she did not realize that she was caught up in the rat race, so she quit her job in 2019 to find fulfillment elsewhere. She embarked on a path towards spirituality and focused on her ability to manifest true happiness and self-love. She considers herself to be a work in progress and has embarked on a journey to help others find the best versions of themselves. Welcome, Ronnelly. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Hi, Hannah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you. So can you start with where you are from and what was growing up like for you? I'm originally from Sri Lanka. I lived in Sri Lanka till I was 18. Then I got married at the age of 18 and moved to London for about five years. I moved back to Sri Lanka and my marriage didn't quite work out. And then I found myself a bit lost and found my way to the U.S. because that's where my father's side of the family is. Yeah, I made my way to New York and I've been in New York for the last 11 years. What was it like growing up in Sri Lanka? I would say it was, I had a good childhood. Well, I'd like to always look at things in a positive way, but I think the more that I was able to see other cultures and travel around, I noticed that it wasn't, how do I say, it wasn't, I wasn't able to express myself. And I felt stuck. I almost felt like this big fish in a small pond. And I just wanted to, just wanted to move out. There were good things. There were good things. And, but when you start realizing what's out there, it just starts becoming small and smaller. So there are certain values about family and about sticking together. Um, my parents were divorced when I was at a, at a small age, but family was still important um, and we still stuck together in, in so many ways. So there were good things, but it was really not an environment for a woman, I, I should say. Um, my brother was always given precedence um, in regards to studies, in regards to just things in life, even like food. And I remember my mom would always like give him a little bit more food and I'd always be like, hey, why is he getting more? But yeah, 
Um, it was definitely an interesting culture, a little bit more closed, a little bit more boxed off. And looking back, you've talked a little bit about your brother getting different treatment, I would say. What Mm -hmm. lessons did you learn at an early age regarding what having it all was supposed to look like as a woman? Having it all in Sri Lanka means you're going to get married and get a dowry from, uh, from your husband and have children. That's what it meant to have it all back home, especially for a woman. It didn't necessarily mean that you have to go out, work and go up the ladder. Yeah. So it was just, it meant like having it all meant that you have a beautiful family. Mm -hmm. When you came to the U.S. and that was, was that like a light switch turned on for you that it wasn't just about being married and having kids and a beautiful family. That was half of it. What expectations, if any, were placed on you to have a successful career once you got to the to the United States? I think what it was, I was left alone almost because, like I said, I, I, I was divorced. So that wasn't, it wasn't a positive thing back, back in Sri Lanka. So it was almost like I now had to prove myself in some way. Mm. And I still remember, though, asking my dad, hey, I'd like to do my higher education. But he was just like, well, you need to earn to do it. And I always wondered, like, wait a minute, like, I, I want to get an education, I want to get a new, like, I want to get a nice job, I want to go up the ladder, just like seeing people on TV. But it wasn't something that I saw that much in my country. Mm. But there were powerful women in my life that supported that vision. Were they in Sri Lanka, the powerful women, or were they in the U.S.? And you, once you got to the U.S., you saw that it could be different. You saw that the world was a little bit bigger. It was a mix of both. I have to say it was like, even in Sri Lanka, I had the first woman prime minister uh, in the world was a Sri Lankan lady. And I went to her school. Wow. So that was always like branded in me. I was like, oh, wow. You know? And then also I had positive influence just from my friends, just my girlfriends who are open-minded and who's like, yeah, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do this. And I always thought like, oh, wow. You know, like there is that possibility. And then when I came to the U.S., for me, it was more like seeing all of the women who are like, okay, they've got this like dream almost. And New York is one of those places I always thought was dreamy in some ways. And I was like, oh, if you can make it, you can, you know, you can make it in New York. Yeah. So that's kind of like the mindset that I had. All of the movies are like, move to New York and your dreams will come true. I think that's so funny. But a lot of people from other countries see New York and LA as like these bright spots where they can make it. And once they've had a career in either of those places, like you're a star, which is kind of funny because now, as you know, when you live in the US and you have to go to New York or or LA, it's like, I don't know if I really want to live there. Is that a place that you actually live or is that a place that you hustle? So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, still my my friends, they still think like, oh, wow, you live in New York. It's so cool. Yeah. And then, you know, it's kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side. So it's when you are in this in this bubble of New York, I do have to say I was able to achieve what I wanted to. So it definitely gave me that opportunity. Yes. But I said, 
like, is that what I really wanted? So it's kind of like a fiction of your imagination, which you can actually make a reality. So that's kind of what New York is for me. Yeah. Uh, in the, earlier in the session, obviously, I talked through your bio and I love your story about coming to New York. Can you talk a little bit about starting at a, as a lounge assistant at the Waldorf Astoria and then moving up the ranks? Like, how yeah. did you do that? And what was that like for you? This sounds like a movie, by the way. So I want to hear yeah. about like, how did you do this? And tell me your story. So in Sri Lanka, for a very short time, I was working in hotels and it was in sales. And I, I loved my job. It was, it was a great job. And I'm like, great. I love sales. I'm great uh, at building relationships. So I was in sales. I was a sales manager for the Taj and the Hilton for a time period. So when I came to the U.S., I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a sales manager. And I want to be in these hotels. And Waldorf was like the diamond of yeah. the Hiltons. And I had just applied and someone calls me. I, I can't even remember what job I applied. I think I was just applying for different jobs. And they said, come for an interview. And I went for an interview and I was like, oh yeah, I want a job in sales. And they're like, well, we don't have a position for you right now in sales, but what we do have is this lounge attendant job. And I'm like, what is, what is that exactly? I kid you not, I went through seven interviews with different people. Wow. And the last person that I spoke to was my media boss. And he said, have you washed dishes? And I was like, yeah, I've washed dishes. And then he's like, well, this job requires you to wash dishes, but the lounge didn't have the best of reputation. And he was like, I want you to change that. I want you to change guest perception. So you went from a top sales position or a sales position in Sri Lanka to being in New York at a hotel washing dishes. Okay. Yeah. So washing dishes was just a very small part of it. Okay. What it is, is it's like an executive lounge for all of the high society or a guest in Waldorf Astoria. And then they just come and have their breakfast and you just serve them. So it's kind of like a glorified server almost, but also washing dishes. Right. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it. And then I said, how do I go up the ladder? And he was like, well, you know what? First do this for about a year and then we'll see. And he was like, you know, you need to take your steps, take your time. I was just like, okay bring it on. I'm going to do this. And we have these guest satisfaction cards that we have to fill in. So every time a guest came in and I would chat with them, build a relationship with them, and I'd be like, hey, can you sign this for me? Can you say something nice? So they started writing all these beautiful comment cards. Three months into my job at the lounge, I remember the GM came down, looked at me and said, Ronnie, right? Like, you're doing a good job. Six months later, I got awarded uh, for one of the, I think it was like, um, Walt of Astoria star. I can't even remember what it was called at that time, but I was like, so happy and shocked. It was based on the fact that I got these comment cards. And six months in, I was like, okay, what's my next step? And they're like, okay, let's put you to the front desk. And then from the front desk, I was like, Okay, 
six months in, I'm like, I'm bored. I can't do this. I want to get into sales. How do I get into sales? And it was just, I think it was determination because I was like, I want to be in sales. And I applied and I got lucky too. I think there's a lot of luck involved as well. When I got called at the plaza and they're like, there's a sales position you want it. And I'm well, like, luck and hard work. I mean, obviously you're hustling, you're being Ron Malie, you're being the person that exudes, you know, personality, confidence, and you're building relationships. So you also worked hard, but yes, luck and luck and perseverance. Yes. Luck and perseverance for sure. Yes. I mean, perseverance for sure, because I remember in the lounge, I have to sometimes wake up at three o'clock in the morning to get there by four so I can open the lounge on time. And it was not easy work. And I didn't not like being at the front desk. It was just monotonous. I had to do night shifts. So I worked my ass off to, to get there. And when I got the job at the plaza, I was just like, this is it. This is beautiful. Look at this property. I can't believe I'm working here. And what I didn't realize, though, is it really wasn't the best environment. People weren't really nice. My boss actually didn't like me much. I was now when I look back, I'm like, I was bullied. I remember at one of the meetings, I was trying to explain to her something. And then she looked at one of the other managers and said, do you understand what she's saying? Because I don't understand what she's saying. Wow. And I was like, I didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm like, wait, like, was I speaking on it, like in a different language? So I was questioning it. And it was at that time, you don't think that you're being bullied at that time. You're actually the first thought that came to my head was like, oh, maybe she really doesn't understand because I have an accent. But I mean, it was just the beginning of what that journey was and what a different environment it was. But I didn't stop. I just kept going. And I'm like, okay, what's my next step? Because now I I was um, at the plaza as a coordinator. And I'm like, I need to be a manager. Then I got an opportunity to be, to be a manager at the Pierre. Um, again, a beautiful hotel. I did meet women who were powerful. I did meet women who were like, listen, like, this is how you act. This is how you talk. And I remember waking up one morning with a little twitch in my eye. And I was like, what's going on? Why am I having this twitch? And then one of the girls was like, oh, girl, that's normal. That's like anxiety. You're like getting into it. Like, Welcome yeah. to the team. You're fully in there now that your body's falling apart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I was just like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, but I just kept going. I just kept going because I think I loved that feeling of achieving something that I didn't think that I could achieve. Yeah. Do you think it's like an adrenaline? It was like a high kind of having you coast through your career. And then when your eyes making that signal or your body signifying or signaling to you, maybe you're crashing and burning. Maybe you're heading down a, a route that that isn't helpful or safe or fulfilling for your body did you ever think gosh maybe that's a sign my body's saying stop or did you just keep going because the high was so high I never stopped to think why it's happening yeah I never stopped to be like oh it's anxiety it shouldn't happen I what I told myself is this is normal 
got it. In order to play the game, this is how I have to do it. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. I'm like, it's not only me, all the other girls are also feeling it. In order for you to survive and go through this, you need to keep going. You need to like, it's just a part of the job. So if you want to be that directive sales, right? And if that's your next step, keep going, keep doing it. So I completely ignored it. I just like didn't even think about it. So how did you get to the crash and burn moment? What was your bathroom on the floor moment? The bathroom on the floor moment was... So after the PI, I had worked for different other properties and there were smaller properties. They weren't luxury properties, but I was having like um, handling clusters with high designation and more money. And I remember my last job, it was just, I couldn't breathe. Walking into work, I would think like, I mean, the place had no windows and it was kind of like, on like there was no sunlight it was a small space but I remember being like this is not good but I think the worst thing for me was I didn't have the support of my boss my boss didn't like me so from day one she tried to make my life miserable wow so I'm in a sales job and it's just the two of us in a team and I need support whereas I wasn't getting the support. Mm -hmm. So I felt the pressure. I can still remember even like the second, actually, (laughs) the funny thing is when I joined the second day, she actually told me and she was talking about a friend of hers who was a colleague and she was telling me the situation with and she was like, if it comes to it, I will push push her under the bus. And I was like, wow. "Wow." And you're telling me this. Mm -hmm. Was that a a moment when it was like, if someone's going to do something to someone else, they're definitely going to do it to you. Was that your aha moment? Like she could be doing that to me. You know, I was so, I still didn't think about that. I was just like, I need to be careful. And that was it because I still had that mindset. Like you need to keep going. You need to keep achieving. So I still didn't think like, oh, you know, I have to be careful. I just thought like, okay, she, I have to be careful, but It just came to a point that I just, she did what she said that she would do. And she pushed me under the bus. And I remember being in a room with her and she was writing me up and, and I was like, what are, like, what are you, what are these things that you're writing up about? And I looked at her and I said, you know, I wanted a boss, someone to support me, someone to show me and guide me. And she looked at me and said, I never had that. Oh, yeah. Like, why would you expect that? Right. And she wasn't, she wasn't taught that or shown that through example. So why would she give it to you? Exactly. And that was her mindset. She was like, and I honestly, Hannah felt so bad for her. I looked at her and I said, I am so sorry because I've actually had some amazing bosses, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sorry that you didn't have that. And I think that was kind of like my aha moment, like, wow, you can't, you can't be here. You need to like leave. Good. Well, at least you, I mean, when she's basically saying, I didn't have that, so don't expect me to give it to you. And you basically realizing, like you said, your aha moment of she's never going to get it. She's not going to get it because she doesn't know how to be a good boss. And at that point, it seems like your empathy kicked in and you're like, I got to get out of here. Like I abandoned ship. 
truly. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like, I actually did feel bad for her. And I wish, and I knew like the she's not a bad person. It's just if she didn't have that support and she doesn't know how to show it to somebody. So it's never going to change. Good. So, yeah. And I just, and I was really not happy. I would complain to my sister every day. Every day. <laughs> Isn't that funny how you complain to like your girlfriends or your sister, but it's like you keep saying it, like I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, but it's like not until one of those defining moments, like this person's never gonna have the capacity or they have no self-awareness of how to be a good boss. So knowing that now, Ronnie, and looking back, what advice would you give women who are listening to this podcast right now of what signs or eye twitches or what should they be looking out for? And what version of yourself would say to the knowledge you have now? don't do this or recognize this? What would you say? I think what I would say is when your eye twitches and you can't (laughs) sleep at night and you wake up in the morning having anxiety attacks and you can't wake up and when you are dreading to go to work, you need to stop and be like, why do I feel this way? Mm And actually write it down. Like take a piece of pen and paper and write it down. Why is my eye twitching? <laughs> yeah. And get granular. Like, why yeah. is it twitching? Because why you know, is it twitching? Yeah. Do you believe <laughs> that you knew? I mean, inherently you knew the place had no windows. Your boss was never going to get it. Your eye was twitching, but you had a community of women saying, well, we're doing it, Ronnie. Why can't you? Or we're doing it, Ronnie. So should you. Do you think that you knew intrinsically and writing it down, like what was your pivoting point? So obviously your boss said, I didn't have this. I'm never going to learn it. Basically, Ronnie, good luck. Right. So was that the moment? How did you actually pivot to your new role? I think what it was, was actually um, my, my twin sister where she had enough of hearing like me complain. And she just like, why are you doing this? It just doesn't make any sense. And she was like, I just want you to know that you are not alone. Like, I love that. And she was like, you are not alone. And I think I'm like, I am alone because I'm in New York. I have no boss. My boss isn't helping. So I'm definitely, (laughs) my boss is not helping. I can't really talk to my friends. I am a single woman who's living in New York. I am alone. I have to like, think about all of these things. Like, what about how, what about my salary? Like, how am I going to pay rent? Like, what about medical insurance? Like little things. And like, I was like, I was giving her all these excuses and she was like, okay, make a budget. And that's what I did. I was like, okay, if I am to quit, how am I going to survive? So I started like making a list of all the costs that I have and then start calculating about my savings. And she was like, you can come and stay with me if you want to. You can stay with my parents. And like the more that I thought about it, the more free I started feeling. I was still very nervous. But I was like, you know what? I'm actually not really alone. So yeah, I I remember I remember giving in my resignation. I was so nervous. And I get like even until the last minute, I was like, oh my God, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And even after I gave it, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. But 
I felt free. I really felt free. And I really felt like something was just lifted off my shoulders. And I'm so glad that your sister, it's always nice to have that one person, whether it's your sister, your husband, your partner, um, your grandmother, your mom, your dog, Mm -hmm. looking up at you saying, you're not, you're ignoring me or you're ignoring your symptoms and yourself. I love what you said about getting a tool and basically building probably an Excel spreadsheet or something, a budget to really put it down on paper. So it's not like I can't, I can't, I can't. The I can't turned into, well, my budget could look like this, or I could Mm -hmm. live with my sister, or I could do this because the Mm -hmm. could, the could was um, more exciting and joyful than the should. Yeah. 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 I love Yeah. And I think also another thing is I kept coming up with excuses and you're never not going to have excuses as to why you shouldn't quit because it's this stereotypical life that we live in that you think like you need to have this, you need to have this job. And I worked so hard to get to this position. Yeah. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? Am I, and I, there was a part of me, I'm like, I'm going to be a failure, you know? I don't want to let people down. Mm-hmm. Like my my dad was looking up to me being like, oh, wow, you know, my daughter made it, yeah. you know, and I never, for me, that was important. But now I'm just like, oh, dad, I'm quitting. Like, how is he going to take it? Mm-hmm. But once I had that conversation, he was like, you know what? We're here to support you. Oh, and I want you to be happy, I'm sure. I mean, I think yeah. parents ulti- ultimately just want their kids to be happy. Yes, they want them to be successful. But in my eyes, and if I was a parent, like your kids are not successful if they're not going to work feeling joy at some point, right? And yeah. I think that's important to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, I guess ultimately it's like, it's about being happy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's about being happy in whatever you do. So it, for me, it was definitely a leap and I definitely had support from my sister and my parents and my friends. And I think that's important. If you, it's a huge, it's a huge decision to do make. It's scary. So you create a support system. Mm-hmm. Like think of all the people, like, like I said, I actually started writing everything down. I like, just like my budget, I wrote down like, people who are there for me mm-hmm. people who can I can, like if I had if I couldn't pay for rent who could I go and stay with yeah. so I just started making all these lists because every time I started getting nervous I would just look into it and I'd be like okay well I think it grounds you a little bit to have something just putting it down on paper it gets your all of the stuff percolating in your head down on paper to say oh it's not as scary because in your head it's all this stuff whirling around it's scary it's overwhelming but if you put it down on paper and look at it, it's like oh wait the facts don't really lie. I could do this if this, then this. So that makes it a little bit more real. So fast forward to you leave, you quit your job, and then what? What happened next? Fast forward, I leave, I quit my job, and I have this now newfound freedom, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should start looking for another job. That happens. It's just like, okay, now you're out of a job. The panic. You start panicking and you're like, you need to, you know, start looking for a job. But I did tell myself, okay, take a break, right? Like, take a break, go somewhere. You have this free time. So I I actually flew to Singapore because that's where my sister was. And I spent a good two months with her. And during that time, 
the first month, I didn't actually think about what am I going to do? I just thought about me. Where am I? My, like, I reflected on where I was in life and I was not a happy person. I could not look at myself in the mirror. I didn't think I was beautiful. I was in, in a relationship that was so toxic. It wasn't good to me. And I was like, I need to change all of these things. Like I need to, what I, I don't know how it happened, but I felt like in, I need to start changing my attitude about myself before I, I leap into another job because I knew now, okay, I have security. I've got like three to four months that I don't have to panic. So I was fine. But I kind of really started looking into myself. So I started like spending a little bit more time in nature, going to walks alone, started doing yoga. And like, just says this um, yoga, 30 day yoga, Adrian on YouTube that I would do. And it would kind of, it was like every day it's a different session and I would like follow that. And the more that I started looking after myself and like eating healthy and like going for walks and being around nature and like getting into yoga and things, I started actually becoming more of a happy person. So it took me, I think, around three months before I actually started looking for something. And what I am now a very big believer of manifestation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I invested on a whiteboard and I wrote down three things, which was a new job, new home, and new love. Mm-hmm. And I put like 2020 on that. And that's all I had on this board. And that's kind of where I started. And I just like told myself, okay, if you are going to a new job, what do you want from it? And then I started like listing things down. What could I like? I know that I am somebody that loves people and I love giving, you know, working with people. That is why I was successful with doing a sales job. So I was like, I want to kind of be in that environment. But I didn't know. I feel like I'm still working on my true purpose and I'm, I'm happy with that. It's going to be a continuous journey. But for that moment, I was like, okay, if I'm getting a job, I knew the first thing was I needed, I needed a job where I loved the boss. Yes, yes. Support because I think we're all rooting. I think we're all rooting for you right now for that. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly like I want. Like that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So new, new job, new home, new love. Yeah. So you put that on a whiteboard, and then you listed out kind of categories under each. Well. There was no category. Now it's like filled. My whiteboard does not have any space. But at that time, it was just three lines. It was just like new um, new job, new home, and new love. Because I honestly didn't really know what I wanted at that time. But I knew that those were the three things that I wanted to work Kind of the with. framework around how to work that. So after you have that on the whiteboard, I mean, I'm just trying to think of for our listeners today and for me too, are you visiting that, revisiting those topics every day? Are you, is your, do you make your job those three things, like treat your new life as projects for those things where you're yeah. actually doing tactical, like tactically walk me through that. Like, how do you actually get a new job, get a new love and get a new house? Like, okay. Who are listening? Yeah. So, so basically I had it somewhere that I could see it every day. Good. And then I would unconsciously, when I see it, 
I would just tell myself, oh, if you're looking for a new home, how is that going to be? Like, what kind of a new job do you want? So unconsciously, every day I'm seeing it and I'm in my head making notes of different things. So throughout that time, I applied for a couple of jobs. And one of the scariest thing is like when you quit your job and then you go to a new job and at the interview, what do you say? Yeah, like and what have I been doing? I've been hanging out in Singapore and finding exactly. love. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think like for all the women out there who's like scared, like, oh my God, what am I going to say? Be honest. Good, good. Yes. Be honest and be like, you know what? I didn't fit into that culture. So I took a break and now I'm looking for a job that fits my new lifestyle or this is what I want to do. Like be honest because it works. It works all the time. You can say you took a sabbatical leave, but at the end of the day, if you didn't fit in somewhere, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And, and I want, like, I was comfortable. I was scared about it. But when I went for interviews, I was honest and people understood. And so I had applied for a couple of jobs and my, at the back of my mind, it was like, oh my God, do I like this lady? Do I get along? I was interviewing her and I did actually turn down a couple of jobs because I am now currently employed and I love my boss. And as soon as like, I actually connected her, it's an international company and we connected via Zoom, but I knew straight away, like, this is it. Like, this is the match. And I've been with the company for one and a half years and I have to say, she's my friend. That's so nice. Yeah. I'm so happy that you found someone. I mean, hearing your story before, I can relate. Um, You know, I think having a boss that frankly just didn't know better so they don't yeah. do better. Um, that's yeah. not an excuse, but I think not everybody has, you know, the skills to manage someone. Not everybody's had the luxury of having a great boss. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the things as women, I, I think we need to do pay it forward, get the tools that you need to be able to be a good supervisor or boss and pay it forward for women who don't mm-hmm. know how to do it and need to learn. So I think that that's something that you're very gifted at from my conversations with you kind of fast forward to where you are now, Ronnie, and that looking back on that journey of like self-discovery and self-love, what would you say to the women listening to me, to our audience in general about that whole experience? And, you know, what would you tell them about burnout and what to watch out for other than the eye twitching and things like that? How would you say that they should have the courage to make a change in their life? Yeah, it's relatively a difficult question because I feel like we like to ignore it. We like to ignore the science and we tell ourselves like that's it's okay. One of the exercises that I do with my clients is the first thing that I ask is like, can you look at yourself in the mirror and say that you love yourself? Mm. Wow. And it's so difficult for a lot of women it was so difficult for me and that's when I was just like something has to change and like figure out what it was and I realized being in that toxic environment wasn't good and being in this relationship so it was important for me to find oh my god how do I love this person Mm -hmm. like she's an amazing woman how do I start loving her it's a difficult question, but I would say like, start there, like right after this, go to the mirror 
and like look at yourself in the mirror and then ask yourself like do you love this person that you are staring at and if you don't then you need to figure out how do you start Mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful because I think as women and career women in general, we're constantly trying to fix a problem or find a solution or help mentor another woman to your point earlier, but we never really stop, pause and reassess and say, am I happy? Do I like the career woman I am? Do I want to be the type of manager that says to another young woman, yeah, if your eyes twitching, it's normal. That means you're on the right track. Here's your promotion. Or is it if your eyes twitching, Listen to your body, listen to your heart, look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I in a job that I want to be in? Am I happy in my life? I think a lot of us don't stop, like you said, pause and then reassess and really figure out who am I and am I doing the right work for myself? I could be making six figures. I may have a house and, you know, close to Central Park. I may have a boyfriend that's killing it at work too, or a husband or a partner, but am I truly happy? Stuff Mm -hmm. doesn't make us who we are. We make us who we are. I think it's really powerful when you said, I love what you say about looking yourself in the mirror because we all get ready in the morning, do our hair, put on our makeup, whatever. But do we really look at ourselves and say, am I where I want to be and who, and am I who I am and I want to be? So I love that. It's so powerful. Yeah, I mean, Hannah, you just nailed it. It's exactly what you said. Like, we have this lifestyle that we thought is what's important to us, but it does it really bring us happiness? And I think we all learned that when it was coronavirus, right? I mean, I, maybe you felt the same way. I was a career woman too. Like, I got up in the morning, I had my latte, went to Starbucks, you know, I got my hair was done, my makeup was done, I had my heels on, I looked great, I felt great, or so I thought. And then I got to work eight or 10 hours a day. At the end of the day, I was depleted and I watched Netflix or Real Housewives of New York City. And I wasn't really happy. Yeah. I had a great car. I had a great career. I had happy hours with girlfriends. But who was I? Yeah. That was the question that I asked when I got burned out. Who am I? Who am I? And like, how do I find her? Oh, I love that. How do I find her? So when you talk about the journey of self-discovery, looking at yourself in the mirror, who am I? The second question is, how do I find her? Mm -hmm. And I love your tactics and ideas about just a simple whiteboard. You know, I want a new house or I want a house. I want a love of my life. I want a new job. And it doesn't cost you anything to start brainstorming and be creative Mm -hmm. of what is the type of life that I could have, not should have. What could I have? And I think those could and should, those are opposite words for a reason because it brings in what could happen if I yeah. thought about it or if I really looked inside myself. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just when you put it up there, it's like for it, it for me, it felt like for the first time I was actually asking myself of what I really wanted. And then, you know, once you put it out to the universe, it just starts happening. Things starts happening. So I just ended up getting this job, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love my boss. This is great. And then shortly after I started looking for apartments and actually did find my dream apartment that I, that I love. And about the true love, what's funny is when I look back now, it wasn't a partner that I was asking for. At that time when I wrote it, I wrote it 
thinking of a man in my life. Mm. But now I know that true love that manifested was not for a partner, but for myself. Oh my God. I just got chills when you said that. I was like hanging kind of out of my seat thinking, is she going to say herself? And you said it. Yeah, it really was. Cause like, I'm now like, I love who I am. I really do. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is what true love is for yourself. And it really is the best thing. And I think now that I feel that for myself, I would not put up with the twitch. I would not put up with anxiety. I'm not going to do any of that. I do question every day, like, what does Ronnie want to do? Does she want to go out? Like, does she want to, like, I analyze, not analyze, but I do actually, I don't want to put myself in uncomfortable situations. I've changed my lifestyle. I've changed my friends. I've changed things I do. I still hang out with the same girlfriends, but I I don't like clubbing. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go out partying and drinking. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's not for me. I love you guys, but that's not for me. So setting boundaries around yourself to mm -hmm. protect that woman who yeah protect that woman that who I am and I'm still in that journey and it's so exciting because it's like I sometimes don't know what I'm going to learn tomorrow about myself Mm, yeah well that's isn't that the essence of self-discovery I mean as we're talking today I'm thinking to myself wouldn't it be cool if we had a group of women that were like my goal is to fall in love with myself My goal is to look at myself in the mirror and say, I like who I am and I'm going to put on my comfy clothes tonight and do what I want for myself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I want to like, that's what I want my message to be to like all women and not only women, men as well. It's just like, do you love yourself? Like tap into that first, find out what you love, what you truly love. Yeah, And it's, you know, it's just such a great feeling. Yeah. And I want everybody to figure that out because I feel like everyone has the potential to do that. Absolutely. Oh, I love this message, Ronnie. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing the message of, you know, self-discovery and self-love. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Hannah. I'm so glad that I was able to speak about it and share my message. Yes. Okay, so the next part is my favorite part of the podcast. So here's where I get to ask you some fun and food for thought questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so if I told you that you could be seven years old for a day with no responsibilities or worries, what would you spend your day doing? Seven years old with no responsibilities. Okay, I think I would honestly spend it with my twin. Okay. We would have a whole day plan. We'll go to the zoo. We'll stop at the ice cream parlor and then maybe have a big Sunday <laughs> and then just roam around. I love to nap. So I might even take a nap. And then what else would I want to do? I just, right now, I think I'm missing my twin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think as a seven-year-old, I would want to, I would want to spend my time with my sister just doing fun things, fun girly things and adventurous things and eating lots of yummy food. I love that idea. I hope I could tag along as like the the triplet. (laughs) You're more than welcome. (laughs)
Okay, so here's a question that's a little more reflective in nature, okay? And so just answer the following statement with the first response that comes to you. If you really knew me, you would know that I. A loving soul. And that you are. I love that question. I love your answer. I appreciate you as always being so vulnerable and honest. Thank you. Yeah, that wouldn't have been my answer two years ago. I would have said something like I'm an achiever. (laughs) Well, and I think it's that that's the difference now when you ask that question. I think it's important to ask it throughout your life. And a couple months later, like you and I've talked about before, I think your answer changes. And when you talk about self-discovery and self-love, I think it will change, right? That's the key is evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then it might even change tomorrow, right? Okay. Well, I'll ask ask you next month. We'll have you back on the podcast and I'll ask you again. (laughs) We'll see. We'll compare notes. Yeah. So Ronmalee, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. I love what you said about the importance of self-love, finding yourself. I love that you offer tips and tricks for myself and the listeners today to really do some concrete next steps to find yourself. And that concept and those concepts really align so well with our She Shatters mission and trying to help women with the tools they can use to dig deeper within themselves, process their feelings and work through burnout. And uh, I, I have to say, I mean, I'm so glad that you gave me this opportunity. And, you know, when I met you for the first time and I saw you, I was like, oh, my God, this woman is going to rock the world. And honestly, it's amazing that you are doing this and helping women out there because I feel like every like, as women, like we need to stand together, like everyone's going through these changes and the fact that you realize that, hey, like, you're not alone. Like he said, like, no one's alone. Yes. Like, we've got each other. And I'm I'm so proud of what you're doing. I'm so excited to see, you know, the changes and to see you grow as well. Thank you so much. It means so much to me. I think, like you said, as women, we need to stick together and truly find and search for what lights us up. And together, we can learn how to burn bright and not burn out. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. To our listeners, for more information on Ronnie, please visit her at ramalee.jaya at gmail.com. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time, energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at SheShattersLLC.